We come to the end of a six-week series uh, called How to Get Through What You're Going Through, and uh, hopefully it's been a good series for us as we've uh, discovered what God wants us to do with the pain in our life. And we're going to conclude the series today by talking about how God uses the pain uh, and we should never waste it in our lives because it's something that God can actually use for good in all of our lives today. Um, one of the things that we talk about often at Great Oaks, and I think we talk about in churches generally, is that God has a purpose, has many purposes for our life. Uh, Great Oaks and, and First Step that we'll have today, this afternoon, we talk about some of our core values, some of the things that, that are important for us. Uh, serve, uh, save people, serve people. Uh, um, uh, found people, find people. Those are some ways that we say some of those, those things. But I just want to share with you, there's five things that God kind of gives us in Scripture, and they're found in the Great Commission, a Great Commandment things that he wants to do in our life, purposes for us uh, as people. First of all, God wants you to know and to love him. Uh, From the great commandment, he says, we're to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he also, God wants us to learn to love other people. He says the second and greatest commandment is that we would love others. Uh, And so that's important as well, that we learn to do that. Uh, A third thing that he wants us to do is he wants us to, and we talked about this last week, to grow up spiritually, to to be like Christ. One of his purposes for our life is that we learn to be like Christ, not to become Christ, but we learn to be like Christ. And, and another purpose we see in Scripture as well is that God wants us to serve other people. Um, one of the purposes he has is not just to waste the, the, the gifts and the abilities and the, and the passions that we have, but he wants us to serve other people. But also another uh, purpose that we find in Scripture as well is that God has a life message that he wants to communicate through you. Uh, God has a purpose in our life for all these things. And so we're going to talk about today how God fulfills those, but I want to talk specifically today as we conclude this series about how God wants to use the pain that we have gone through in our life to fulfill all five of these purposes, because he does use that in various ways, and it says that in scripture, Uh, but we have to cooperate with God for that to happen in our life. Most people waste their pain. They do. They waste their pain. They don't learn from their losses. They never gain from their pain. And so today we're going to talk about how can God use whatever pain you're going through in your life to move you toward his purposes in your life. What can God do? How can he use the pain? Matter of fact, Paul says it this way in Galatians chapter 3. He says, have you gone through all this for nothing? (laughs) It's a good question. Have you gone through all this for nothing, all this pain for nothing? Is it really for all for nothing? So he's asking, how have you grown from your pain? How are you further down the road to where God wants you to be or are you just had pain in your life, and it never made any difference. Um, so let's look at what God wants to do with, uh, with all the stuff in our life as we wrap up the series. Because God's uh, pain can be used to, for, to, to forward all five of the purposes that God has for our life uh, this morning. So let's talk about this. If you have an outline in your bulletin, you have a bulletin there. The points are there, and some of the scriptures are there. Not all of them, but some of the scriptures we'll be using this morning. And I, I just want to wrap this together. The first thing I know is this. God says in his word that I can use my pain to draw closer to God. I can use my pain to draw closer to God. When we go through pain, we can either run from God or we can run to God. Um, instinctively, I think what we do for people in pain is that obviously most of the time what we do is we run to God. And I see this in culture when there's tragedies in the world. 9-11 came, uh, the tornado in, in Washington, whatever, the things that happen in our life, what do we do? People turn to God. The Sunday after 9-11 was one of the most well-attended Sundays in the history of the United States. Did you know that? didn't last very long, but it, but it happened. You know, people turn to God and they're trying to go like, God, you know, and they don't know what else to do. And so they do. Some people turn, but some people turn away from God in this. 
One of the things I found in my own life is that when I go through struggles, one of the things I do as a believer is I, is I strive to turn toward God. I shared many, many years ago when I first came, before I came to Great Oaks, for a couple of years before I came here, I was really in a struggle in ministry uh, in regards to what the direction was in my life. And so I spent a lot of time, I've always done a quiet time with God. I've always had a quiet time, not as consistent as I wish, okay? Just be honest. I wish it was every day that I'd spend, you know, a half an hour with God or an hour with God or whatever, praying and doing, uh, reading God's Word and, and meditating upon Scripture. But I don't always do that. Some, most of the time I do, but sometimes I don't. But one of the things I find in the times of struggle, my, my quiet time and my time with God is amplified. One of the things I did uh, many years ago when I was trying to decide the next step God wanted me to do after being at a previous church for almost, at that point, 11 years and, and uh, before I came here, is I spent a lot of time with God alone. I share with you before that when I feel closest to God is when I'm in nature. So what I did is I went on a couple of retreats, spiritual retreats, where I actually went and I actually went up and hiked on the Appalachian Trail uh, during the day, sat on a rock, and I didn't talk to anybody, you know. I just was up there, and it was just time, with, uh, time alone with God. And, and, and that found that to be something that I turned to God. And during that time, he clarified a lot of things in my life. He didn't speak to me out loud, by the way. But he did speak to me through his word and through the prayer time. He, he con- confirmed some stuff in my life. So God can use the pain in our life. And let me tell you, that was a painful time for me. The last two years of ministry at my previous church was a painful time for me. But during that time, I turned to God, and God used that pain to draw me closer to him. Now, how do you do that? Well, you can use all the steps we've talked about the last six weeks. And if you don't know all the steps, go back and listen to the podcast or, or whatever. They're online. You can listen to those and all the steps we've talked about, about when something happens, how you go through shock, and then, and then you go through all the other things you know, that we, we talked about in that time. But Paul says this in, First Corinthians, in Second Corinthians. He says this. He's talking about the time these people have been through. And he says, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. And then he goes down a little further. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God. He's going like, during this time when we were crushed and all these things happened, what happened is it, it caused us to learn to rely upon God, who raises the dead. And he, he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. Paul says, now wait a minute, you know, we were crushed, we were overwhelmed. But he says, that was good. <laughs> Psycho Paul, you know, that was good. He's going because he said, why? Because it drew us closer to God. And we see that throughout Scripture that uh, so often when people go through painful experiences, it drew them closer to God. But you have to cooperate with God in the midst of this for that to happen. You can't push away from God. I cannot tell you how many people have come to Christ out of pain. One of the things that often happens, and, and sometimes I meet people or things happen, is, is they'll, they'll go through a painful experience. Something happens in their life that's painful. And one of the things that they do is they turn, they show up at Great Oaks, or they show up somewhere, and all of a sudden we have these conversations. And I ask the question, well, why did you show up? Well, this has happened in my life. This episode happened in my life. It was painful, and I'm searching for something. I'm not really sure what it is, since I thought I would show up at church. And so, see, the first thing God can do is God can use the pain, and we can use the pain in our life to draw us closer to God. Also, Paul said this in 2 Corinthians as well. He says, yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry. He's talking about the pain they went through, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. He's saying, saying, uh, God, he said, it's a good thing when your pain leads you toward God. That's the first thing that God, the pain can happen in our life. It can lead us to have a greater relationship with God. And I hope in your life that that's what's happened. 
The second thing that can the second thing that can happen though as well as this is I can use my pain to draw closer to others. I can use my pain to draw closer to others. If you will allow it, pain will deepen your love for other people. Let me tell you why. Because all of a sudden, when you go through pain, you have more sympathy through pe- for people who have been through similar pain. Isn't that true? You relate to them in a different way. You're, you're more sensitized to what they've gone through. Because when you're going through pain, the problem is so often your feelings go up and down and all over and sideways. And you think strange thoughts and weird thoughts and all, have all kind of emotions. You know, it's a real struggle. Uh, the thing is, it can draw... Pain can draw us closer to each other, but only if we cooperate with God in the pain. Because the reality is sometimes pain can push people away from each other. You know the reality of the statistics are that people that have lost a child, couples, that a third of those couples will get divorced within, within five years. I think it's five years, maybe even less than that. Because the pain and the, and the emotions that are going through, uh, Rick Warren, when I was listening to this series I shared with you about, he was talking about this. And he said one of the things he had to do with he and his, he and his wife was that they, they realized that they had to draw close to each other. And at the end of the series, when I was listening to Rick, this has been about four, been about four or five months after his son committed suicide. And what happened was, he shared, he said, he said, my wife and I were talking yesterday, and he said, the thing that ha- we found is that we are the closest we've ever been in our 34 years of marriage. And I'm going like, he's been married exactly the same length of time I have, you know? And, and, and she asked, she, he asked her, he said, honey, why do you think that's true? And his wife, Kay, said, well, it's because you're nicer to me than you used to be. <laughs> See, the reality is, the reality is so often is we become sensitized to the other person. I thought that was a great answer. Uh, the, uh, sensitized to the other person. Let me ask you this question, those who, have been, who are married. How many arguments have you had in your marriage because you tried to convince your spouse that their feeling was unreasonable? <laughs> Most of us guys, have we done that? Well, honey, you know... That just doesn't make sense. It's a feeling. Feelings are not right or wrong. They may be unreasonable, but they're not right or wrong. They're a feeling. And the thing is, and I have to learn this, man. I just, so often I just bite my tongue because I'm going, honey, you shouldn't feel that way. I'm going to go like, it's the dumbest thing you can say to another person. You shouldn't feel. Feelings are just things that happen to you in your life. And the reality is so often in life is that when we go through a tough time and we're able to, to talk to one another and communicate with one another, what happens is it draws us closer to one another. I, mean, I talked about a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, the different levels of fellowship that we have in our groups. And the, the basic, most shallow level of fellowship is what? You remember? I'm sure all of y'all remember this from three weeks ago. You just, you know, right off the top of your head. It was just a fellowship of sharing. Sharing is just when you talked yesterday morning in my men's group. We went around and we have what we call high-low. This was one of those weeks we go high-low. You know what a high-low is? High-low means that we share. I'll go around the circle and we share, okay, what was a really good thing that happened this week and what was the low thing happened this week? We can pray about. We have fun with that. The high is always just kind of shallow. <laughs> oh, well, you know, this happened, you know, whatever. The low sometimes becomes, goes to a deeper level, though. Because the low can take us to a deeper level of sharing, not just sharing God's word, which is the second level of sharing or, or sharing by serving. It can take us into the fellowship of suffering. The fellowship of suffering. When we suffer, with, we, we, we hurt with one another. And so we were in our 11 guys, I think yesterday, 10 or 11 guys just to go around a group we shared. And some of the things that came out were, were things that were, people were suffering with. And we were able to pray for one another and encourage one another there. 
It says in Galatians 6, 2, it says, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Love God, love people. And love your neighbor. And I just want to say to you that your pain, if you will allow it, will teach you to love people more, not less. It will make you more sensitive to people around you that are going through similar pains. That was number two. Number three, God can use our pain to, for, to help us to become more like Jesus. So we talked about last week. One of the purposes that God has, if we understand that God's purpose in our life is not just to make us comfortable and happy, but to make us more like Jesus, it makes things make a lot more sense. Is that true? Because if we think everything's about being happy, when something bad happens, what it is that we're asking the question, well, you know, what did that do to make God ticked off? What, what did that do wrong? But if we realize that God's trying to help us to come more like Christ, it understands that sometimes the painful things that we go through helps us to become more like Christ. See, God, in other words, pain is an opportunity to grow in character. And we talked about this last week, so I'm like, the, the things that we, to describe Jesus Christ would be to describe the fruit of the Spirit. Things like love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, Goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control, all those things describe who, who Christ is. And the pain in life can help us to become more like that. And how do you learn them? You don't learn them by just simply saying, well, I'm going to be more peaceful. Or I'm going to be more patient. No, you learn it because you get into a situation where you need to learn patience. And that's the best way to learn patience. I share with you, you know, that, that sometimes you know, where I've learned patience is when I started praying, God, give me patience, and things got worse. Then I prayed more, God, give me more patience, and things got more worse. Is that a word? No. Uh, and no, it's not. It's not. I know. I sometimes use words that aren't correct. I know. But y'all English majors, just overlook it and get over it. You're imperfect as well. And um, <clears throat> you understand what I'm saying, though, right? I did communicate. Okay. The thing is, is that, and so what happens is I finally came after six months of just praying for patience, and God, things were getting worse and worse and worse. I realized I was more patient. Because during the midst of needing patience, God had taught me patience. And that's just one way. So, so the thing is, is that God can use the pain in our lives to help us to become more like Jesus. Sometimes, some people, pain makes them bitter. But some people let pain make them better. Some people let pain be a stepping stone to progress. Other people let pain be a stumbling block to failure. It's a choice that we make. <laughs> one of my favorite verses, and this is a ref- I call them refrigerator verses, verses we need to have up in front of us all the time. It's Proverbs twenty thirty, which says, sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Would anybody like to stand up and give a testimony about that? <laughs> you know, not really, not really. Huh? Uh, the thing is, is, is sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways, right? We do not learn very well by, you know, the happy times. We learn a lot by the painful times in life. It makes us change our ways. And last week I shared with you that God's number one purpose in your life is to make you like Jesus. And if you're going to be like Jesus, he's going to allow you to go through the same type of things that Jesus went through, that Jesus grew through. And I shared, did Jesus go through, was Jesus ever lonely? Yeah. Was Jesus never misunderstood? Yeah. Was Jesus uh, ever uh, criticized or judged? Was he ever tired and fatigued? Was he tempted? Yeah. Because it says, the Bible says he was tempted in every way we are, but he never sinned. Now, how's that work? See, he didn't, God didn't spare Jesus from pain because he knew that was part of the process of being human. 
And if God is going to make me like Christ, he's going to take me through the same kinds of things that, that Jesus went through. In Hebrews 5, 8, it says this, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. He learned obedience from the things he suffered. The Bible says Jesus learned obedience through suffering. And if he's going to learn obedience through suffering, guess what we're going to do? We learn the same way. And then in Hebrews 5, 9, the very next verse says, suffering made Jesus perfect. You're going like, well, Jesus was already perfect, wasn't he? Perfect means complete, okay? And now he can save, for, uh, and now he can save forever all who obey him. And, and, and it, may, it means that when Jesus suffered, it, it completed Jesus by going through the suffering. It made him not only fully God, but fully human as well. And it shows that, he, it shows that we can go through those things as well, and God can mold us and make us through those things. There are some things that the only way you will learn them is through pain. Do you agree with that? Some things, the only way you will... You know, parents, let's, let's talk about parents and children for a moment, okay? Do you wish... That, does all your children... Let's take a survey, and I already know the answer before I take the survey, okay? Do all of your children, when you told them to do something, they always obeyed you? Why not? You're older, more mature. Always right? Because you're a parent, Right? And you always obeyed your parents when they told you something before that, right? Now, so often what happens is we tell our kids that and we wish they will not do this, make the same dumb mistakes that we made, right? That's why we do that, because we love them. But the same thing is that sometimes they will listen and most of the time they won't because they have to learn it only through pain. They have to make the same dumb mistakes we made and, and, and experience the same consequences. That's why it's so, folks, as a parent... Let your children experience the consequences of their bad, of their bad uh, behavior. Do not rescue them all the time because they will never, ever learn. We learn through pain. We learn through pain. Uh, Paul actually complimented the Corinthian church on how they handled the pain in their lives. In 2 Corinthians 7.11, it says this. Now, isn't it wonderful all the ways in which this distress <laughs> has goaded you closer to God? <laughs> and that is, Paul's got kind of sick sometimes, I think, when you read this. You're going like, really, Paul? He says, now read that again, what it says. Isn't it wonderful all the ways this distress, these bad things, have goaded you closer to God? Then he says this. This, this is what the outcome has been. Because of the bad things that have happened in your life, you're more alive. You're more concerned, you're more sensitive, you're more reverent, you're more human, you're more passionate, you're more responsible. Look that from any angle, you've come out of this with a purity of heart. I mean, how many of us would like to be all those things in our life? Well, guess what? They got there through the pains, the pain of life that they went through. And Paul was talking to a group of people who had just gone through the ringer. If you go back and look at 2 Corinthians, and they go through persecution and suffering and pain, and he lists all the things they'd come out of that. The fact is, pain transforms us, and it, can trans- it never leaves us where we started. It will either be- leave us better or bitter. That's the only two choices we have, better or bitter. We'll be one of the two. It'll never leave us where we were. It won't leave you where it, it picks you up. It will take you to another place. But the reality is, and we talked about this before too, is that God wants us to be successful in life. He wants us to prosper in life. He wants us to live a full life. But the secret of every, I found this to be true in everything, the secret of every winner whether it's in winning in business or winning in sports or winning in love or winning in relationships or winning financially or spiritually, any other way, the the secret of every single winner is one word. And that's the word resilience. Resilience. 
Resilience, it's the ability to bounce back. Why must we learn to bounce back? Because everybody goes through tough times. Everybody goes through tough times. And the difference between winners and losers is that winners get back up. I learned that from a Batman movie, by the way. So, <laughs> No, actually, I learned it from Scripture. They got it from Batman. Batman got it from Scripture. You know, I don't know if they did or not, but... Those who are Batman fans, and that's exactly where I'm talking about. You know, some of you go like, oh, I remember that Lord. Oh. I just thought about that just now. I don't know why. Strange thoughts come into my mind sometimes, and I just sometimes let them out. So anyway. <laughs> See, I've heard people say things before when they've been hurt, and they'll say things like a woman who's been through a divorce, and she'll say things, well, I'm never, I'll never let another man hurt me. Dumb idea. You know why it's a dumb idea? Because it closes yourself off to the possibility of love. Because when you love someone, you open up the possibility of them hurting you. It can't happen. Because like I said, said last week or the week before, I don't remember which week it was, the reality is, is that no marriage is perfect. No relationship is perfect because it's two imperfect people together and that, that makes it imperfect And what, what happens. And so the thing is, is that we need to get past that. We need to let, let, let love, or let uh, the, the hurts of our past to shape us in new ways. We need to be resilient, learn to bounce back. Because if you have resilience, you learn from your losses. You profit from your pain. You, you, you gain from that pain. And you, you advance from your adversity. And all these things happen when you have resilience in your life. And you're able to bounce back. Now, how do you get that? Well, it's about, it's about a mindset you have. Because when I looked in Scripture, you know, Paul, I think, was one of the most resilient guys in all of Scripture. He really was. I, I love the, the writings of Paul because uh, he, he had so many things happen and he kept bouncing back from them. Uh, for instance, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, this is Paul's personal testimony. He says this, I've been put in jail more often, been whipped uh, uh, a bunch of times without number, faced death again and again. Five different times I was whipped with 39 lashes. 33 times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, uh, that's with, with rocks. Uh, three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea, I faced many dangers from flooded rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from angry, angry crowds. And then he says, I faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and even on stormy seas. I've ch- I faced dangers from people who claim to be Christians but aren't. That might be his greatest challenge. And I've lived with weariness and pain and sleepless nights. Okay, this is the guy. Okay, so the guy who wrote most of the New Testament understood pain. But he was resilient. He kept bouncing back. He kept understanding because he had a different mindset. He said this also. He said, I've often been hungry and thirsty. I've often gone without food. I've, been sh- I've shivered with cold, without enough clothing to keep me warm. Besides all this, I've had the daily burdens of all the churches I've started. If anybody had the right to complain, it was Paul. Because he'd gone through all that stuff. The laundry list of ther- terrible things that has ha- in his life that had happened. Uh, you know, and it was while he was trying to serve God. These weren't because he was trying to be an evil guy. He was trying to serve God, and all this stuff happened in the midst of that. And then he says this, though, later. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed and broken. We are perplexed, but we don't give up and quit. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and keep on going. 
And through suffering, these bodies of ours constantly share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Paul's mindset was this. He was a resilient person because he understood he wasn't focused on the thing right in front of him. He was focused on the future and what God was working through his life to do. The, deter- the, the, the secret of Paul's resilience is determination, his ability to bounce back no matter how bad things were. It's perspective. It's perspective. And the way he looked at the world, he looked at life not from a worldly view, but from a godly view. The next couple of weeks, let me preface a couple of things that's going to happen the next two weeks in worship here. One of the things uh, uh, that's going to happen is next week, Dan Baker is going to share a message. He's going to talk about why it's so important to, to understand and, and live under the authority of God's word. He's going to talk about that. And then two weeks from now, Chris is going to talk about taking that and expanding it further to talk about the battle between our, the worldview and having a biblical worldview. And what happens if we simply let the, the worldview become that which directs our lives? And I will tell you right now, if you have that worldview, you will not be resilient. You will be somebody who will not bounce back. See, Paul, because he understood who God was and he lived under the influence and the authority of God's word, he was able to have this resilience. He had the right perspective about not only what was happening to him then, but what was going to happen in eternity. And so Paul saw it this way. No matter how hard the problem is, it's just temporary, but the rewards in eternity are going to go on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. See, you can handle unbelievable pain if you see a purpose in it. If you see a purpose in it. But if you see a, and if you see a purpose in it, you see God's hand. God is using this to draw me closer to him, help me to grow up, do all those things. Then you get resilience. That's hugely important. Paul also says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 and following. He says, for this reason, in other words, because I have this eternal perspective, he says, we never become discouraged. Even though our physical being is gradually decaying, yet our spiritual being is renewed day after day, and these temporary troubles we suffer, that's that whole laundry list of stuff we talked about just a minute ago. Uh, Those are pretty big stuff. He says, will bring us, these temporary troubles will bring us uh, tremendous and eternal glory, much greater than the trouble. For we fix our attention not on things that are seen, but on things that are unseen. What can be seen lasts only for a time, but what cannot be seen lasts forever. He says, I don't look at my problems right now. I don't look at my pain. I don't look at my difficulty. I look beyond that to the reward that it's going to have. That if I go through this and trust in God in the midst of this, that it's going to change who I am. Jesus did the same thing. The Bible says in, 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 uh, in one place, it says, Jesus endured the cross because he was looking forward to this reward. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that Moses endured suffering because he had his eyes uh, on the prize, on the reward in heaven. See, the thing is, I don't know what's discouraging you today. And how long it's going to go on. And you may not see in the end in sight. You may not see in the end of the pain. And you're discouraged. You feel like giving up. But let me quickly just share with you God, how God can use that pain. Continue to use that pain in your life to grow you. And to help you become more like Jesus Christ. And actually do something even beyond that. Because there's two other things that we want to talk about as we end up here. The fourth thing that God wants to use your pain for is he wants to use your pain to help others. He wants to use your pain to help others. I believe the Bible tells us that as the highest and most and the best use of pain that we can do. Now follow me on this. If you're going to have pain, 
Does anybody here never think you're going to have pain in your life? Okay, thank you. I thought all of you thought that because you probably already experienced it or if you're not going through it, you've realized it's going to happen, okay? Just part of living in a broken world. If you're going to have pain and you know you're going to go through it, why not at least do something good with it? Is that a good attitude? Why not at least do something good with it? God says that the highest and best use of the stuff that happens in your life and the highest and best use of pain is to use it for good to help others. So what I need to do, rather than focusing on my hurt, my feeling, how I feel bad, I refocus it and I refocus on the pain of others. When we began this series, the very first verse I believe I used, or one of the very first verses I used in this series six weeks ago, was out of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And this is what it says. It says, God comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. That's it. God says he gives us comfort when we go through a tough time. So what? So we can waste it, right? No. So that we can use that, have that same comfort and we can comfort others. We can use it for good. Then when others, it says, then when others are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. You can be sure that the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. So when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your benefit and salvation. For when God comforts us, it is so that we in turn can be an encouragement to you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. This is Common Sense 101. It really is. Who can better help a struggling veteran than someone who's been a veteran? Who can better help the parents of a special needs child than somebody who has been a parent of a special needs child? Did I need to go on the whole list and go down the whole list? Who can better help a person who's been through anything in life than somebody who's been through it, taken through the steps, have come out the other side, and have grown through it? So, so often people say, I just don't know what God wants me to do with my life. Look at your pain. What have you been through? And then find people who are there now and help them through it. See, that God doesn't want you to waste your hurts. He wants us, he says, to give comfort to others after we've been through it ourselves. Don't waste your hurt. Don't hide your hurt. Let God heal it and let God recycle it. And let God use it and utilize it and let God bless other people. Don't waste any pain in your life. You can use it to help others. And finally, number five. God says in his word, and this is hugely important, so often we forget this one, is God says, I can use the pain in my life to be a witness to the world. To be a witness to the world. <laughs> I don't know about you, you guys been watching the Olympics? Anybody? Winter Olympics? I love them. I DVR stuff, man. I can, those guys, ski racers, man, they could zip down a hill at three times the regular speed. You know, like, everything you ever watched one of those really long, you know, uh, uh, long track skating things, like 3,000 meters? You can go, if you do it in triple speed, they can finish it up in like 30 seconds. And you still know who wins. You really do. I've watched that that way, a bunch of stuff, you know. It's really cool. But what I really love is the stories that go along with the Olympics about different people. And the stories I like are not the stories, you, it's not about success. The thing is, so often... We think that the world is impressed by our prosperity and how we handle prosperity. Or, or we think that, and so we want to show off our prosperity, that, but that doesn't impress the world. See, God knows the exact opposite is true of what we think. The world is impressed not with how we handle 
uh, prosperity, but how we handle adversity. We think that our successes give us credibility. God says, no, your suffering gives you credibility. We think that fame earns respect. God says what actually earns respect is faithfulness in tough times. You know, many times I've shared stories over the last 11, 12 years. July 1st will be 12 years here. And the thing is, is that I can share stories of things that have happened. Most of the time I've shared stories when I share stories of things where I messed up or things where I struggled or things where... And let me tell you, the greatest response I've had in my life is when people have listened and understand that I struggle too and, and that it gives me, gives me credibility. Hey, Pastor Bill, you're a real guy. You see, your weaknesses will actually gain a hearing more than your strengths. Did you hear me? Your weaknesses will actually gain you more of a hearing than your strengths. That's the exact opposite of what everybody, everything else in the world and culture has taught you. You think you have to be successful or rich or famous to be heard as a person or as a Christian even. No, you have to be authentic in your pain. And when you're authentic in your pain, you will have more people listening to you than you can possibly imagine. Because pain humanizes. Pain sympathizes. Pain causes you to have credibility with people. So I use my pain to be a witness to the world. Again, I go back to Paul because he was such a pro at this. He's so good at this. This is what he says in Philippians 1.12. He says, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me, let's stop a minute, what is everything that has happened to him? All that whole laundry list of stuff, beatings, you know, shipwrecks, abuse, imprisonment, all that stuff. He said, all those things that has happened to me has, here has helped to spread the good news. He's going, God has used all that stuff for good. Paul says, I, I use my pain as a model for my message. And God wants you to use your pain as a model for your message, as a platform. That's your platform for your life message. God says, in a sense, that the thing that you regret the most, the thing that you hate the most, the thing that you despise the most, the thing that you wish had never happened in your life, that most painful thing, he says, I want to use that in your life to touch other people who are going through similar pains. But you've got to be honest with yourself, and you've got to be honest to God and with others. And you've got to be vulnerable. And so often we think we'll have to have this image like everything's good. We Like in church, we, yeah, well, you came in this morning, I'll have you dressed up. You know, I mean, you didn't dress up really. This is not like one of those churches where you wear suits and ties. You know, if you show up with a suit and tie, I know you're a visitor. <laughs> That's easy to point out. And you don't know anybody in the church because if they were your friend and they invited you to church, they would have told you not to dress up. So if you do invite somebody, tell them, hey, don't wear a suit and tie because everybody, you'll stand out. You know, like, oh, Okay. It's amazing how many times I've seen guys go in there and take their ties off when they show up, you know, in the bathroom. I'm going there and they're pulling them off. And I'm like, <laughs> y'all didn't know that happened, did you? You know? Yeah. So you fit in. Because we want to look right. We want to look good. But the reality is, is that, you know, image is not everything. Image is, is nothing, really, because people don't, they know it's fake sometimes. I mean, I can know, folks, I look at you this morning, y'all look so nice, you know? Y'all hopefully took a shower, and you put your you know, women, put your makeup on, and I hope the guys didn't. But, uh, and, you know, and, and, and all this stuff, you shaved, some of us did, Chris didn't. And, uh, and we, you know, and you do all that, and you got, you got made up, and you look good. But the reality is, is that I don't know what's going on inside of you, but I know that in a crowd this size, there's some junk. There's some pain. 
It's reality. See, your deepest life message will come out of your deepest pain. See, that's what Jesus did for us, too. You know, what, what is the greatest witness of God's love for us? Was it, uh, the, was it God's love? Uh, is what Jesus said? Was that, his greatest, was that God's greatest witness? No. Was it uh, uh, the Sermon on the Mount? It's not the sermons he preached was the greatest witness of God's love. What was the greatest witness of God's love? It was the suffering of Jesus. Of God's suffering for us upon a cross. And dying for us. And having pain for us. And giving his life for us. It was such an important part of who he is. and That he reminds us that we are to, to be reminded of that on a regular basis. Through something called communion. So this morning, I'd ask our ushers to go ahead and get ready for communion. Our band to come back up here and get ready. And we're going to partake communion as we close this series together. Because in a real sense, what it is, is this morning, folks, when we partake of communion, you know what we're supposed to do? It reminds us of the greatest example of God's love possible. Of his broken body and of his shed blood for you and for me. And there's nothing more important that he did for us. He did for us upon a cross what we could not do for ourselves, and that is that he made a way for us to have a relationship with a perfect God while we're still imperfect. He paved the way. He opened the door through his own body and through his own sacrifice upon the cross. And so this morning, as we partake of the elements of the Lord's Supper, we're going to do it in a very simple way this morning, folks. Okay, this is instructions. Okay? I'm going to have the ushers to hand out the bread. And while we hand out, they hand out the bread, uh, you can partake take of the bread. And listen, ushers as well. You can partake of the bread as they hand it out at any time during the time until we give out the juice. <laughs> okay? This is a time to reflect upon what hopefully we've learned together in this series. That God wants, us, God wants to use the pain in our life for good. And we have to be open to allowing God to do that. And so this is our time to reflect upon what God did for us as we partake of the bread, it reminds us of his broken body. And we have to ask ourselves this question, what is it that God wants me? What pain have I gone through or am I going through? How does God want to use that for good? And so just partake of the bread and just quietly do that while the band plays this morning in just a few moments. And then, then I'll ask the ushers to come and then they'll, they'll pass out the bread. And as soon as they finish passing out the bread, then turn right around and they'll pass out the cup. And I'm not going to say anything else until the end of both of those things, okay? This is going to be just a quiet time between you and God of partaking of the elements together in a big group, but individually, and being a reminder of what God has done for us and how he could take even the pain of the cross and use it for good. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.